Um, so I'm about to spill the tea <laughs> in, a, in a very unhinged way. Go for um, it. So... Welcome to Psychocinematic, a podcast where we analyse depictions of mental illness and disability in popular films and TV. I'm your host, Stephanie Fornasia. If you love our podcast and want to give us some support, make sure you're following Psychocinematic Podcast on Instagram, TikTok and Twitter. And check out our website, psychocinematicpodcast.com. For access to special bonus content, episodes, early access, stickers, and contribute to our regular fundraisers, join our Patreon. Starting from $3.50 a month, you can be the coolest psychocinematic listener there is. So I'd like to start the podcast today by uh, acknowledging the traditional owners of the land that we're on today, which is the uh, Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and pay respects to those um, elders past, present and future. And also acknowledge that I am on stolen land and I'd like to welcome to the podcast, Monica or Mon. Do you prefer Mon? Uh, whatever's easier. Let's <laughs> faster. So Monica is a 21-year-old disability advocate based in Sydney uh, who uses social media as a way to shed light upon Tourette's as well as disability awareness and ableism. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Mon. Thanks for having me. <laughs> And I discovered you from a podcast that I absolutely love, um, Beyond Six Seconds, with Caroline Keel, which is how I came across yourself and also your wonderful TikTok and um, social media. Um, what was it like going on, Beyond Six Seconds? Yeah, it was really fun. I reached out to Caroline because I saw it like online too. And yeah, it was just like, I think my second podcast, it was really good to talk about and yeah I just say all that having fun yeah fantastic what was the first podcast that you went on um it was my friend Vivian so it was like the thriving Asian women so she talks about like um Asian female experiences oh and awesome yeah she just wanted me on for like threat stuff fantastic I guess firstly tell me a little bit about the work you do in disability awareness when did you start working in that sort of space advocating that space yeah, so um, it originally started off as I was discriminated against um, in Sydney and it was like a random first video because I was like, I need to put this on TikTok because at that time, like TikTok was exploding and it was a way people were like spread, um, you know, using it as like easy traction. Mm -hmm. So the video like hit like 750,000 like to this day. Whoa. Uh, but yeah, um, as I posted that discrimination incident, it was like 300 or 500k and people were like rushing to the couch. So I was honestly like, I need to start making Tourette's content. Because for me, um, like I've always wanted to um, make this content. Like I was talking to my therapist about it, but I was so insecure. Literally like being discriminated against was the reason why I started. So it's almost like a dis it's disappointing that that's how it started, but it's it's also been a really positive outcome do you think yeah like the biggest blessing in disguise like it sounds so weird but if it wasn't for that incident I would not have this page and like more good has come out of it like we're here today and do you create content outside of of your advocacy like um you're a uni student is that right I was yeah I was um studying a bachelor of arts you know being an artsy girl <laughs> um but yeah I do um I do a food blog. So before that, I've had a social media background. So I guess that kind of branched into this. So I was 
like shoot I was like doing photography and videography for like food businesses for like the past three years so that kind of gave me I guess that's a good question I never noticed that (laughs) yeah that's something you're naturally good at it sounds like I kind of (laughs) (laughs) great so tell me a little bit um yours you have Tourette syndrome do you mind telling me a little bit about what Tourette's is, um, particularly from your perspective as well? Because I'm a psychologist, so I, I'm aware of what Tourette's is and I've done a little bit of reading. But um, yeah, tell me from your words what Tourette's is. Yeah. So basically, it's a neurological condition that causes a person to have tics. And tics are repetitive movements and gestures that, you know, people do repeatedly. And tics are very complex. So yeah, um, basically I like to think of it as a condition that makes you do like literally, like I hate this analogy, but it, technically you're like possessed. Like I hate when other people say it, but it's like a good analogy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's beyond your control. Yeah. Yeah. It's like my evil twin. So it's like a second me that makes me do stuff that looks like me, but I'm actually not. <laughs> and what does it like uh, ticks are involuntary movements is there a difference in how often they occur is there any sort of from what we know reason why they occur yeah yeah so everyone is different um right now I would have I don't know five to ten ticks a minute but people can go days without ticking they can go weeks without ticking I think that's a misconception like a lot of creators they'll make a video and not tick and then people will jump on and um question be like why are you ticking here like you're faking it that sort of thing Mm -hmm. but yeah there is that um like difference Mm -hmm. do we know why um ticks happen or if there's a neurological process that's responsible for it um for me it is excitement stress even happiness sadness so it's very broad but like just tense feelings or not being well rested that's personal for me but sometimes also when I'm sad I don't tick and with the like coprolalia which is what 10 percent of people have it's a swearing tick with that is i read somewhere sorry excuse my wording but in your brain you have this bit that controls like social cues and Mm -hmm. swearing and stuff like that and i read somewhere that if you have coprolalia it's like that bit of the brain is more inflamed and leans up against the lobe responsible for social cues oh that's really interesting i didn't know about that yeah scientific basis of it yeah so literally our brain yeah and that's interesting that you mentioned that 10% of people with Tourette's have coprolalia because as we'll talk about later on, a lot of the representation in film and TV of that Tourette's is, is often yeah. around the swearing particularly and not a, a lot of the yeah. other sort of tics. Yeah. Mm. So when did when were you first diagnosed with Tourette's? Do you mind sharing a bit of your diagnosis story? Yeah, so um, I've had it since I was seven, but I wasn't diagnosed till nine and mm-hmm. the GP that I um, actually still see, funny story, mm-hmm. he diagnosed me with a cough. Ugh. So, like, there was no awareness um, back then. But um, my story is basically really interesting. I was at school with this girl and would hang out. She was like my best friend back in the day. Would hang out um, doing playdates. And her mother actually went to high school with the president of the Tourette's um, Association of Australia. Oh, wow. Back in the day. And she knew about Tourette's. And she she said to my mum one time, she's like, I don't want to be, like, offensive or, you know, making assumptions, but um, my friend does this and it looks like this because I've seen it in her son. 
So literally that was how I was diagnosed. That's so, incredible. So if you didn't have that friend, maybe it would have taken a lot longer to actually get the diagnosis. Literally, it's like everything happens for a reason sort of thing. And yeah, like um, I'm literally, um, yeah, we reached out to them, got more info. And then I think we reached out to a neurologist and then we got diagnosed. Mm-hmm. So they knew straight away. But like even back then, man, the effort. Yeah. Um, do you remember what it was like when you were seven, what some of your tics were, particularly that led to your GP thinking it was just a cough, which seems odd? Yeah, so I literally, weirdly enough, have an ingrained memory of my first ever tick. Like, you know, when something traumatizing or like mm-hmm. happens in your childhood, I remember the feeling it was like rising from my chest coming up and I had to make this sound. It was like, whoa, I was like, whoa. I had to make this like ball stuff, ball. and um yeah it was like a popping sound and I I just had to explode. Mm. Girl that day was like, can you stop doing that? Like another girl, like we were the kids, and then I, I literally did not know what was happening. I was like, what is happening? Mm-hmm. That would have been pretty scary as well at such a young age, or well, at any age really. Yeah, but just more shocking. Like what? Like excuse my language, but what the fuck is happening? So, like, once you were diagnosed, like, what, did, was there any sort of, did they discuss ways to, I guess, support or, or treat um, the the symptoms of Tourette's? I don't remember, but it was more keeping me happy and not stressed. Mm-hmm. But, and I ended up seeing psychologists and then they, like, introduced me to medication. Mm-hmm. There's also, I think, CBT. Um, mm-hmm. Cognitive which, behavior therapy. Yeah. So we did that, but let me tell you, it is hard. <laughs> what what I'm interested too, because I haven't really in my career treated anyone with Tourette's. People with tics, yes, but not Tourette's, Tourette's syndrome. Like what actually helped with the, I guess, managing it. And I guess my, my follow-up to that is it is therapy or strategies given to stop the tics or just sort of manage them? Yeah, um, personally, I can't speak on everyone. Everyone's very different, but for me personally, CBT was not it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it's very hard. Mm-hmm. Heaps of training and it is so, it's like suffocating nearly. Like, it is hard to train yourself. So, um, for example, just for the viewers listening, sorry, just for the listeners who don't know what CBT is, I'm pretty sure it's when, like, they give you another thing to do. Is that there's, I guess there's a lot of layers to CBT. Um, I guess the, the therapeutic concept is to try to stop the kind of chain from your thoughts and feelings to lead to the behaviours. So one of those strategies could be trying to direct you to do something different to sort yeah. of change that pathway, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So redirecting is a famous one. It's like, hey, instead of doing this, can you tap your foot instead? But it is hard to learn and because you're told like, can you tap your foot you're not gonna want to because Mm. so basically doing what you shouldn't do kind of like that's for me Mm -hmm. I've done like I've gone through a lot of different therapies like I've seen different psychologists with different approaches one did mindfulness but it felt Mm -hmm. really gaslighty Mm -hmm. like there are so many different approaches like breathing mindfulness but not everything works personally for me I think it's finding the right person Mm -hmm. like my sort of therapy is honestly talking to someone about it and debriefing and mm-hmm. being in my best state of mind. So I'm currently doing kinesiology and I, I like, I can't speak on others, but I prefer natural, mm-hmm. like 
the more natural route. So staying relaxed, acupuncture, kinesiology helps me, like getting into that like relaxed zone. Mm-hmm. That's that's really good to know because I think I guess with anything it's really what works for you. Like often CBT is yeah. is applied yeah. to so many things, but it doesn't always work for everybody, even though it's probably the most there's so much evidence that's been put into CBT, but it's yeah, it's got its limitations and it's also not for everyone, as as is lots of therapies. So it's great that you found something that that you that really works for you. Yeah, and obviously, like, I um can't speak on everyone else too, but personally for me, like, after being on meds for so long, I came off them and, like, personally for me, that was the best decision I've made because the side effects, it made, like, a zombie personally for me, like, mm-hmm. there is no actual medicine just for threat. Mm-hmm. There's different ones, like, blood pressure lowering ones or, mm-hmm. you know, other things, but, like, they're prescribed on a different case-to-case basis, so... Let's say you can take Ritalin for ADHD, but if you have Tourette's, you can't because it's stimulant and it'll set your ticks off. Ah, that's, uh, and and is that something that is an experience for yourself? Yeah, so like, for example, for me, I could be given a script of Ritalin, but they said no because I have Tourette's and he said, ah, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. So it's very case to case. So Yeah, for sure. Like when people ask, like, is there a cure? Like, it's offensive, you know? Yeah. Not that simple. And I guess that leads to my next question, though, around, like, wanting to cure something. Like, is the end goal for your therapy and for any kind of, like, uh, treatment to stop ticks, or is it more to help you manage and have the best quality of life, having sort of space for those ticks to be there but not impact you as much? Well, actually, it's um, management. Like, for me, in my kinesiology, I'm literally exploring my shame like my deep rooted shame on when I tick and why I feel embarrassed and mm. okay with that. Mm. Like that is my cure and therapy. Um, A lot of people ask me, oh, have you like found a cure? Have you seen a doctor? And it offends me because this is a lifelong thing and I don't want to be depressing and people can disagree with me, but I think the biggest cure is being okay that this is a lifelong thing. 100%. Because you can't get rid of some things and it's like, you have to sit with that, mm-hmm. you know. It's it's it feels like the cure is really for society to be more accepting of all the neurovariances that we have. Um, so because it sounds like like for, from your experience, the shame has been a really big thing to have to have to manage and the embarrassment, which isn't your fault. It's more the the context, the society that you're in. Exactly, and I've been at, like on holidays where no one's been hateful or events and everyone's been lovely and it makes me think I'm like I'm not the issue like mm-hmm. this ableism that's the issue so it's like why are we questioning cures for disabilities when it's like you know you are the sickness in a way yeah yeah 100% I guess we've kind of already touched on this, but what what is it like navigating life with Tourette's syndrome? And like, what would you like people to know about life with Tourette? I'm a just be real. It is hard. Mm-hmm. It is hard. It is tiring. It is draining. It, it it hurts. And I want people to know it's not a super punchline. Like if you have Tourette's, it's so okay for you to joke about it. Mm-hmm. I opinion because you're reclaiming that, but 
others who want to use it as a punchline like oh Tourette's that's so funny like wish I had it like it's it's seriously not funny and I get all the time like you get to say that that's so fun if I had a dollar for every time someone said that I'd be rich that sounds like a very inappropriate thing to even say I know or like oh I think like you can swear all the time and get away with that's so cool it's like romanticizing it in a way, mm-hmm. like sensationalizing it. Like we are so sick of it. It's not funny. It's very real and it can wreck your life. I guess out of that, um, you mentioned that you've been discriminated, you were discriminated against and you um, made a TikTok video from that. What at first made you decide, I'm going to put this on social media. I want to share this. Like what, what was going, what was going on at the time for you? Yeah. So um, basically for me, like, I've always wanted to do it. I literally bought a camera. So back in the day, I literally bought a camera and I was vlogging. And Thank I was watching the content today. I just finished high school and I was doing a Tourette's tag. So it's always been like a dream of mine to be like a YouTuber or do some sort of video content. And literally that's how it started. Um, but that video gave me the push. I was just like, <laughs> it needs to be shown. This needs to be discussed and yeah, like brought to light. Like we can't just sweep this under the rug. So ever since then, I yeah, just started making content. But personally, for me, yeah, like YouTube, like my ADHD could just not do it. <laughs> and TikTok, it's like bite sized and easy. Yeah, do that. So yeah, that's why I chose TikTok as a platform. I made do YouTube. I've always wanted to, but my laptop is literally out of storage. <laughs> and, and that's it, the problem with youtube it's not as easy to actually create like you it's like not you, tiktok you pick up your phone you can make a tiktok so quickly but youtube's a whole different ball game i feel yeah but yeah just like seeing that there wasn't enough talk on it like cool. and uh, being asian too like an asian content creator like i have people commenting like you're the first asian i've seen with this because like you know there are people of color out there but like it's just not shown and i was like this is a niche I can go off mm-hmm. being an Asian disabled content creator. Yeah, I guess it's showing a side of that people don't usually see and um, that probably don't know much about of what it's like to be um, an Asian woman with um, Tourette's syndrome as well. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it sounds like it went gangbusters initially. Has that been all of the responses? Have you had a mixture of responses of your content? Yeah, so um, this is surprising, but it started off way more positive than I thought. So I literally said to my therapist back in the day, I was like, I want to do this, but I feel like I'm going to cop so much hate. And people were being so nice. And I was like, oh my God, TikTok's not so scary after all. (laughs) But then the hate came in. So this is so helpful, but... I had a literal subreddit made about me. Oh God! Where yeah, they um, they literally um made a subreddit about me on um, it's this terrible um, Reddit page. I'm not gonna mention it because yeah, no fair. one's what. But um, they were analyzing how I was faking my tits, and it was just so helpful. Like strangers, imagine strangers like analyzing, like watching the video you made and analyzing it. That's and, disgusting. Yeah. I can just imagine the the sort of discourse that would have gone on that is would have just been so completely offensive. Well, how did that impact you? That would have been awful. Oh, it hurt. It burns. 
and I was like reaching out to the moderators, getting them to delete it. Mm. And stuff. But it's like sometimes some things are better left unknown. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, like some things you sh- shouldn't look at. And it's like it's always there will always be haters. And yes, it's like, that's true. It's like I read this thing. It's like if like you know, people who were successful in life, like they never had anyone just fully supporting them. Like people would have thought they were psycho or weird or you know. Yeah. But yeah. Touching on the other comments, there have been hateful comments, like heaps. I have had to block people. I've had to turn off comments, like just ter- like terrible comments. But I just like it makes you stronger and proves my point even more because mm-hmm. we're, we're, you've seen the videos. Like we're talking about ableism and people just say it and it just proves my point. So I find that really interesting when the whole purpose of your content is to smash some of the stigma and to promote that this is real life um, with Tourette's and how to actually support someone with Tourette's syndrome and some of the the judgments that are made in trying to challenge that. And then when people take that and then use that to continue to perpetuate that ableism, it's like, well, thank you for just like making this even more of something that needs to be done. Yeah, and uh, it's like I know create like create Tourette's creators get so much hate on TikTok. Like it's the most, it sounds weird, but in a way misinterpreted and hated disability. Like there's that, there's not that same amount of sympathy. Mm. And I know creators who've had like Daily Mail stuff written about them, like Mm. unintentionally, and it's damaging because all these creators out there are creating awareness, and then they just get shot like in the foot. It's awful, and Daily Mail is just. Disgusting. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, what would you your um advice then for any content creators, particularly around the, the disability and ableism sort of space? What, how best do you handle the 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 backlash and the hateful comments? Um, advice for content creators who get hate. Honestly, just do it. Be yourself. Don't let it stop you. Because if you're gonna like, and it sounds harsh, but if you're gonna be scared and let it stop you you're never gonna do it mm. there will always be people hating you no matter what like people it's in our nature people will always judge you no matter what and that's reality and it's your choice if you want to give them the power to you know get you and i know that's harsh but i think that's reality mm. and yeah also handling it self-care seriously mm. like no one no one talks about the toll content creation tapes just like distance from it turn your phone off turn the notifications off it's a lot and no one no one talks about that toll yeah yeah you're absolutely right do you think it's better to engage with comments or just delete and block the comments honestly in the moment I always engage and like my humor is engaging with it like (laughs) a lot of my videos lately I'm replying to it because it's funny but I know I shouldn't because it's like talking to a brick wall (laughs) picking which ones because some of them are so but yeah honestly block delete Mm -hmm. also it's like you commenting hey help my video get out there more (laughs) yeah true (laughs) that's the other amusing thing about it as long and because you know i'm only a dabbler in tiktok but there has been a few things that have gone really far and there's been a lot of hatred and it's sort of at a point where you go well this is helpful for my engagement but also um, a point where it's like, okay, this is impacting my day too much. I just need to like turn off notifications for a while or just turn off comments. 
100%. Thank you for that. Um, has there been some really positive things that have come from creating TikTok content? Yeah, definitely. No, more so than I thought. Like when I had that hateful comment, I had like kids email me or people email me and be like, I don't know how hard it is for you to walk down the park swearing, but I support you. No, oh, that's lovely. And I had a guy be like, you are the first girl I've written an email for and I'll remember it. Like oh, stuff like that. And I've had like another girl, um, like um, halfway across the world, reach out to me and want to interview me for her school project. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Or random people like they'll reach out um, like a uni project. So it's so like, I just can't believe it because in year 12, I did society and culture and I was reaching out to people and I was like, can I write about you for my paper? You know? So it feels and unreal. being on the other side of that. Yeah. It's like so rewarding. And I've made friends online with Tourette, which is like so nice. And like, I've had people message and be like, like you really like help me, like your content helps me. And I think that overweighs like the hate we were discussing. Has it helped you in navigating your own life with Tourette's or managing your, your Tourette's? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's maybe more bold um, and comfortable and knowing I have that safe state. Because before that, I didn't. I didn't have anyone to text or I felt alone. But now I do. I'm like, I know I have friends I can message. And also, um, this sounds so weird, but there's been so many like work situations where I'll be at a first day at work and they'll be like, oh, I think I saw you somewhere. <laughs> and then they'll be like, oh, I saw your video and I won't even need to explain myself. Yeah. And, and I kid you not, that is the most satisfying thing. Like my account does explain. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a good way to be able to point someone towards something like, oh, you want to know more about me here? <laughs> yeah. Like, yo, here, here's the link. Don't, don't ask. You'll find all about it. That's yeah. awesome. I, I really think it's it's been one of the best things about social media and how much it's, particularly, you know, during um, COVID and when we've been so disconnected from so many people, is being, a, being able to have those pa platforms to find each other, people who get you, and um, it's built some really amazing communities. 100%. So I just wanted to move on, if it's okay, to talk okay. about some popular depictions of Tourette's in films. No, it isn't. Um, when I was kind of researching about today, I was kind of thinking about some movies with Tourette's syndrome in there, and there's not many. Um, the few that I've seen was Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo. There was a film Motherless Brooklyn that came out a few years back, um, and way a long time ago, Matchstick Men, which I haven't bothered rewatching because I, you know, that's not really the purpose of today. Um, what were your sort of thoughts and, and is there anything else that you've seen that, that you'd like to share around those depictions of Tourette's in like popular cinema? Yeah. So, um, I saw the one you linked. I watched it. I have never seen that. Let me tell you, I could not finish watching that. Oh, like, really? I, I had to close it. It was so uncomfortable. And yeah, the scene basically, you know, just shows the guy ticking in there, having a, a stage meeting and everyone's looking. So just to um, oh, clarify, yeah. that was a scene from the movie The Square, which is by, I can't remember his name now, but he's the director of 
um, Triangle of Sadness that came out last year, I think it was. Um, so yeah, it was a scene. So yeah, I watched that scene and yeah, I could not finish it because it was so uncomfortable, but it was also very true. Like I have been on the receiving, I've been that guy who everyone turns out as depicted in that movie scene when mm-hmm. I'm in a quiet room and it is a very real and uncomfortable experience, but for them to cover it in a humorous way and make fun of that, it really burns. And I, I could not watch it. Like, let me tell you, it brought up my PTSD. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry to have triggered you with that. Clip. No. <laughs> um, regarding Mother's Brooklyn, I actually, I actually watched that. I went to the cinema for it. Oh, cool. What did you think of that one? I think it was very good depiction. A lot of people were writing on it, how they were happy about the depictions. I don't remember fully, but I remember it wasn't offensive and just very, they approached it like calmly. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. ticking here and there and it was fine. My memory didn't seem too super offensive, although um, Edward Morton does not have Tourette syndrome, obviously. Yeah, I was going to um, bring that up. That, Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Oh, good. Yeah, that was the other offensive thing. And so higher actors with Tourette's somewhere. And I feel like that's common. I, I don't think there's been anything I've come across where the, an actor with Tourette's is actually um, involved in the creation. Although I don't know about the square. Yeah, or any disability. Like Sia, like the autism thing, she got someone to act it out. It's like appropriation. Yeah. It's like, you know how, you know, like white chicks, like how there's like blackface? Mm-hmm. Like, like it's a funny movie, but nowadays it would not be allowed due mm-hmm. to context. But it's like, why is this still going on with disability? Yeah, it's really not much different. Exactly. And yeah. Also, another thing I wanted to share was, this is really interesting, but one person said this to me recently that stuck up. She said every villain in a movie has like a scar, mm-hmm. is fat mm-hmm. or, or is disabled. Yes. Yeah, it was like, that is so true. What is that? Ingrating into society. Yes. We come across this from but on this podcast, the villain trope and them having some sort of disability or being different in some way is so common and so frustrating definitely uh one of the other films was juice bigelow i remember that was the first time i saw anything with Tourette's in it on screen what was your experience have you seen juice bigelow um i haven't but was that the scene in the car um i think so i think i actually think it was amy poehler or the girl has to he's so he's dating a bunch of different women then they're all sort of women that struggle to find a partner that's in i had it's been a long time since i watched it but that's my memory of it and one of the um women that he dates has Tourette syndrome um and it's a very humorous portrayal of it um yeah honestly disgusting like mm. literally add someone who had tics like that and that allowed it is disgusting to see like people making money and laughing at that and it makes you insecure and you're like if people are watching this all over the world laughing at this what do they think of me yeah yeah exactly um it was definitely played as a joke which is just very problematic in so many ways disgusting yeah that's what i have to say (laughs) have you seen any positive apart from motherless brooklyn not being too bad have you seen anything positive or appropriate honestly no apart from it's not movie but lewis capaldi Mm, yes and Billy, like, they've come out about it and, talk, like, that's some positive I've seen and I'm, I love to see it. Yes, that's brilliant. It's And that's not something that happens very often when, um, yeah, I feel like just neurological disorders or mental illness or disability in general 
it's very still stigmatized to actually come out and talk about having it, you know, being diagnosed with that. So that's good to see. Yeah. And like, it's not surprising, but funnily enough, all the good um, depictions are like TikTok creators. Yes. That are saying their own story. 100%. Well, maybe we should move on to that. This is a good segue. Editor. Tell me a little bit about, well, I guess there's a very big thing in the media or there has been in the last couple of years around um, social media's influence on tics or tic disorders. And I'm just curious and in, in what your thoughts around that have been and what, what, what you think social media's role in it actually has been. Yeah. So um, a lot of people touch on um, TikTok and it contributing to the rise of tics. TikTok as well. I call bullshit. <laughs> TikTok cannot cause a neurological condition. And this is my take on it. I read a post about it um, that really resonated. It's this thing called medical gaslighting. So Tourette's is very um, well known with boys and research, you know, with men in regard. And they're blaming TikTok tics and, you know, TikTok contributing to the rise of, you know, girls because there is no research. <laughs> and they have nothing else to put it on. So that is my take. Second of all, um, I read this other article. This article said that um, we've li- literally just gone through a pandemic. Very stressful time. People were isolated in their houses. There is more likability of ticks to increase <laughs> during that side, like trauma and everything. Um, we've just come out of a bit traumatizing pandemic. So yeah, we can't blame TikTok. We can't blame social media however i do think social media has helped people build that awareness people like oh there's been a rise in diagnosis but what if people are just being more aware Mm -hmm. having access but also um another thing i want to touch on is it can lead to the romanticization and increase like you've seen with like ocd and adhd people like like oh tourette's is cool or adhd is cool being neurodivergent is cool no, what are your thoughts on that? Because I know that's that's happening with yeah neurodivergence as a whole, um, with people seeing themselves a lot more on social media with autism and ADHD, and that leading them to pursue a diagnosis of those um, disorders. Just as an example, but then there's a there's a group, a lot of narrative around people thinking it's cool and wanting to get a diagnosis because it's cool. And my response to that is always, it's very hard to get a diagnosis, so considering that to be trendy is really diminishing all the obstacles and barriers there are to actually having that diagnosis and also that it costs a lot of money and yeah what are your thoughts on like there could be an element of that that romanticization as you say where do you think that kind of fits in that yeah um regarding neurodivergence being cool I'm on two sides heck yeah it is cool (laughs) like we are cool it is something you should embrace but it's the same with cultural appropriation. Appreciation and appropriation yeah. is um, different mm. and that's what I feel. Um, you can embrace, like, you know, being gay and that is cool if you're gay. That's fine. But if you're not, you shouldn't step into mm. that and take it from others who are actually gay or neurodivergent. It, like, they can pretend it's cool for a amount of time if they're not neurodivergent. But then the real stuff kicks in and they'll have to pay 300 in psychology fees. <laughs> and yeah, they can see how like cool it is. <laughs> like it's cool in an embracing way, but like, you know, navigating the NDIS and 
getting ripped off and paying all this medical stuff is not mm. cool. As well as just, you know, there's lots of coolness to being neurodivergent, but it also has a, a real life impact on not the action necessarily the diagnosis and the way that society accepts those um, conditions. So the actual impact to your well-being and functioning is real. So I think that dismisses that people who think it's just trendy dismisses that aspect of it as well. Yeah, like it's only it's only cool for a bit until like it hits you. And also it takes away from real life experiences. It's like some people can't even exit the house. How are you gonna make how are you gonna make this a trend? Yeah. Make yourself like quirky. Like you were saying with the perception that ticks have uh, or Tourette's diagnoses have increased and it's social media's um fault, I guess, quote unquote. Um, I did a little bit of my own deep dive into some research, which I sent to you. Love it. Um, and it just, it's just very interesting because I feel like there's two or three different narratives that, that are out there online. There's social medias to blame. And I know it was unfortunate that it was like some of the psychology blogs that were like, this is happening. All these girls are getting Tourette's and it's social media and they're just, um, that's triggering them. And it's like, come on. <laughs> um, and then there's also some research that's looked into it a little bit more deeply in saying that, well, actually, it's more common that these girls are being, and mostly girls, that are actually having what we call a functional neurological disorder that is coming out in ticks. Um, and that isn't something that um, has just been created through social media. But it's more likely that um, because of everything that's been happening, like you say, COVID, um, that isolation, that stress, um, that has increased a recorded rise in um, that functional neurological disorder coming out in ticks. And what is a functional neurological disorder or FND? An illness with a neurological basis, oh, yeah, yeah. but that comes yeah. out and we're still sort of learning a lot more about it. It comes out in physical and physiological symptoms and ticks can be one of them. And when they actually looked at the presentation of the, some of the teenagers who were presenting with these, um, there was a lot of underlying mental illness, anxiety, stress, and functional um, symptoms that led to the, the tick disorders. So there's some uh, reporting saying it's Tourette's and there's some saying it's actually not Tourette's. It's it's more of there's, there's, there's ticks, but it's not Tourette's syndrome. And, and also some research was saying, yes, there's a bit of a rise, but it's not an epidemic when um, there's lots of sensationalists reporting saying that this is going to take all your, ch your children. It's happening everywhere. If they're on TikTok, watch out, they're going to get ticks. But it's actually... Um, Functional neurological disorders have been rising for decades and this is just one way it might be expressed and it's just the fact that people aren't that more, that aware of them. So again, media likes to beat up things as well, um, which always frustrates me a lot. Yeah, I'd agree with the last one, the second last one you said, the ticks, because I've actually had girls tell me, like, oh, Vic, I have Tourette's and they'll literally be like, I don't have Tourette's, but can I tell you something? I have ticks when I get cold mm -hmm. or I have ticks that come up only when I'm stressed and then it'll never happen mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. I, I totally buy that third one. I don't, I can't comment on it, but that one makes the most sense to me because people have twitching mm -hmm. 
and like with autism, people stim mm-hmm. and like I'm not autistic, but I stim. Like I'll tap my foot. That is a mm-hmm. stim. So yeah, I think it's just coming out in a certain way. And the media, see among yes, like <laughs> they don't like social media anyway. <laughs> yeah, they'll be like epidemic. Um, TikTok ticks, and it makes mothers worry. Mm-hmm. And it's like for what? And you know what? You're just make, you're making stress. You're making what cause this? Yeah, exactly. And I think particularly things with FND, we're still learning a lot more. That, you know, we really didn't know that much about most mental illnesses and neurological conditions. And as you say, most of the studies that have happened for for many things have been in men. So we we actually are still learning a lot more about. Um, how our brain operates so um, it's really not that huge a wild thing to come out of particularly the times that we're in uh, when you actually look at it critically but of course media doesn't look at things critically it really likes to be black and white about things literally and the whole thing on threat to media is so disappointing because you know so many people have written stuff about my page daily mail included and they will not ask my permission. Mm. But then they want to go on and write about how TikTok is causing this. So the media hate real-life content creators talking about our own stuff, but then we'll rush to talk about our diagnosis. So it's like we can't even have the power, and then they want to take it off us and then make money off it. Like they're making more money than any TikTok creator. 100%. That's how so, they yeah. operate. Yeah, and like um, I have a story on that. Yes, um, please tell me. I've had people from Seven News reach out. I've had people from Yahoo reach out. They will make an article and post it without my consent, and I'll be like, "What? What the fuck is this?" And then I'll be like, "Can you fix it up?" And they didn't even—they're using my name, and they didn't even ask any permission. It's like, are they just taking it from a post or from a video? Yeah, so there was um, a article about me. Um, I was lurking on the internet and it literally said it was like a Sydney woman swears uncontrollably and woman threatened score police. This was on Daily Mail. And it's like, bro, you didn't even ask my permission to cover my story and you're making bank off it. It feels like they're just scrolling through social media looking for something that they can turn into a cheap story to get clicks. Yeah, and that's what journalists nowadays are doing. They're looking on social media for clips that they can cover. It's like lazy journalists. It's so pathetic. You wanted to talk particularly about the segment on 60 Minutes. Was it was it TikTok Tourette's, I think it was called, that ended, I think it was last year. Yeah, tell me a little bit about that. Um, so I'm about to spill the tea <laughs> in, a, in a very unhinged way. Go for um, it. So 60 Minutes reached out to me. They wanted 60 Minutes reached out to me and they wanted to do a segment on Tourette's. And the woman said, this really interests me and I want to spread awareness to it. And they wanted to cover my story about being a TikTok content creator with Tourette's. They released it and the article was TikTok tick. Mm-hmm. And I haven't even watched it. But let me tell you, when I saw that, I'm like, blessing in disguise that I turned it down. Mm. What made you turn it down? What, what were your thoughts? I had trust issues. Past stuff had happened with media mm-hmm. that I didn't trust. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't support 60 Minutes. They sensationalize and dramatize 
And it was like, I was not risking being on live national TV <laughs> with my face sensationalized. And to spill the tea, guys, they don't pay you. <laughs> They're a big broadcasting episode like that. And they don't pay you. It's free work to be risked to be like thrown on the bus. That's, Can you believe that? That's so disappointing because it's not just, you know, airing your face out there. It's also on very mainstream, low-rung media. So whatever happens to you post that is, you know, I'm sure you, you would get a lot of exposure, but you would also get a lot of brewing as as just generally what happens. Um, so that's really disappointing that you don't even get some payment out of it. Yeah. And it's like so many people, you know, on the trusts, um, association of Australia, they talk and they're like, I'm so upset about how I've been portrayed on this channel. <laughs> like there is that thing with media and trust issues. And it is a story because Tourette's is interesting. It's different and it looks weird like, yeah. to people who don't understand. So of course it brings in views and people know that. When I was watching that, um, there was also a couple of Tourette stories that 60 Minute aired. And like you know, my parents always watch 60 Minutes on a Sunday night. So whatever they were showing, I would end up catching. And I remember a lot of you know, significant mental illness was portrayed on 60 Minutes in very sensationalizing ways. One of my first memories was of eating disorders. There was a, a young lady who they sort of tracked her experience with a very severe eating disorder. And that was like, you know, how awful this person is, she won't eat. And there was a couple of episodes on um, someone with Tourette's who they quote unquote said, this is the person with the worst case of Tourette's in the world. And it's all very yeah. demonizing. Um, she had very, very significant tics that um, caused quite a bit of self-harm. And, you know, there's so much distressing video footage of it. And it was just, you know, gratuitous. And she um, tried to get, I think it was transcranial stimulation to try and reduce the tics, which didn't, unfortunately, unfortunately, depending on how you feel about it, wasn't able to be maintained because of infections. Pretty significant. Yeah. But then they caught up with her much later. She's very um, living a very functional life. She's got a partner. Yeah. Still engages in ticks, but it is um, doing quite well in life. And it was, you know, obviously a very big journey of this person, but just being in the spotlight for so long just to create sensationalist media. Like it's nice that we see her with Tourette's having a very full life and having sort of made space for the Tourette's rather than trying to cure it, which is what we want to see. But all the stuff leading up to it was really, really gross. Yeah. It's like guilt people have to carry. Mm -hmm. Like seeing your old self and it's hard and that TV can cover you, but they're not going to ask you support. And that's and there, there forever is... too. She's going to always have that media on the internet for the rest of her life. That makes, yeah, that's really uncomfortable. Exactly. Like, it's like spotlight on you. And yeah, you know, there's no editing control. Like I asked, I was like, do we get to see a cut before um, it's aired? And they're like, no, the first thing is it's aired. So the <laughs> first time you open up the TV, it's aired. <laughs> and that is so much. And same with the singing shows. It's mm. like, you don't get to audition and well. And reality the way show, really? Yeah. It's disgusting. Yeah. So anyone listening, do not trust the media. Do not trust what you see. They're all owned by the same people. <laughs> like, it's rigged. 
like do not formulate your own opinions on your own research and listen to disabled people yeah like yeah so you didn't watch the final episode but you kind of know what it was portraying did you have people rooting out to tell you what they were disappointed in about it yeah some people some people liked it like they're like oh there were good bits but I just never mainly because my ADHD I can't watch stuff so yeah and I just didn't want to give it energy fair I yeah. will I will one day because I'll be oh you know what blessing this guys and I want to see what bullet I dodge but I don't know. I'm scared and I would rather not feel off my head. Yeah. No, that's fair. And I guess I did I did watch it in preparation for today and, you know, I was expecting a little bit worse, to be honest, because I am with you. I don't love 60 Minutes. Um, but there was definitely a big focus on social media being a culprit. The person they interviewed, the psychiatrist they interviewed, wasn't too bad. Like he was kind of saying – this isn't social media's fault, but maybe it's played a role. So th- that was a better message than we're blaming social media. But I think he definitely could have done a little bit more in actually explaining, you know, correlation and causation are two different things. And what about all these other things that have been going on in the last couple of years? Yeah. Like, I am glad it wasn't as bad, but even just the title TikTok ticks to mm. draw in that viewer yeah. to and be like, it's not that bad. Yeah. Like you said, his entire entirely clickbait yep and there's so much like daily mail is so good at that like we were saying it's really media i think that we need to blame for this being seen as an epidemic rather than the actual what's actually happening as well um for sure yeah it's like why why are you focusing on this like why don't you focus on the actual epidemics yeah and uh, there's been some nice like there's been some awful articles but there's been a nice article of how um, it was by The Verge who was talking about if this is what's going on and we're seeing a little bit of a peak, then what, why don't we talk about the mental health of, of our teenagers at this time? Like, let's not blame TikTok. The distress that's led to, you know, a decline in function or whatever has, is already there. So let's focus on that. And I'll link mm. that one because I quite liked that article. Mm. Um, we need to actually look at what's going wrong in society that, you know, these kind of neurological dis- or functional neurological disorders are, are popping up a bit more commonly. Mm-hmm. So I was going to ask you as well, um, you mentioned that you were on an episode of a YouTube series called Dating Differently. Yes. So we're going to spill even more tea tonight. Love the tea. <laughs> so this UK production company reached out to me called Dating Different. And they wanted to do a blind date with Tretz. And I saw their coverage. It was really good on past Tretz stuff. So I was like, hey, this is cool. And the pay is good. So, you got paid this time. That's a win. <laughs> yeah, I did it. And yeah, it went fine. The filming went beautifully. And I was really happy. I felt like I portrayed my story very well. And then what happened was after that date of filming, I received the cut. And I was so excited to um, show my friends. We were doing going to do a viewing party. And I spent the whole night feeling like shit because the cuts were so offensive. Mm. And that I was surprised. Like, the original cuts, it was every tick I had, they put, like, do-do-do music over the top of it. Oh, my God. That's awful. And they, and they zoomed up on my face. Do-do-do. Ah. And then zoom up on my face. Every tick. And they sent her this whole ass paragraph of 10 things like 10 points being like 
you need to remove this, remove that. That is not okay and hurtful to me because you're sensationalizing it and literally re-traumatize myself and explain why it was not okay. Oh, did they really have any insight into why that was a problem? I don't know if they had insight into why the edits were offensive, but the fact they didn't do it as offensive. Yeah, because they were just happy to send yeah. it to you. And then, yeah. Yeah, and mind you, the editor and all the people on board of that were young. They were around my age, and it just felt like a betrayal. Mm-hmm. Young people doing that. And yeah, I had to run them through why it was not okay, and they had to remove the music and the zooms and the sensationalized. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah. Like, I just wanted to bring that up because so, don't trust what you see. It may look good right now, but you don't know what people went through to get it to where it was. And the fact that you had to advocate for yourself as the the subject in the film and, okay, like, you have Tourette's and you're, you're in the video, so, you know, you're representing someone with Tourette's. But if they're doing good justice, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, then really they could have run through with someone from the Tourette's community to make sure they would give doing it the right justice rather than making you have to go through it and feel really awful about yourself before sending that to you. Yeah, and genuinely, like, yeah, it was just a traumatisation and there, there were so many beautiful points they couldn't put a put in that I raised, but they didn't. What were some of those points? Because I'm, I'm obviously link the video in the episode notes but what would you have liked to share more in from that video we were just like talking about um you know threats as a whole stuff like that and yeah just like how it was being diagnosed and stuff but like they did include it in the end but it was just the music and the dramatizing mm-hmm. and i i did say more about dating as someone with threats i did um touch on that more but they yeah didn't include that you do say that on the show in that it's a good screener. So if someone doesn't accept you um, off the bat once they discover you have Tourette's, then, like, you don't have to bother wasting your time with them. Did you, when you looked at the previous videos, they hadn't used those kind of noises that, that or that audio that they did? Yeah, the reporting was really nice. They have a um, whole dating thing on different disabilities and it was really respectful. So that was why I trusted yeah. them. But, yeah, got that tarnished. That's such a shame. It's really good to know that they took on board your feedback. Did they apologise at all? Um, No, they just sent it back and was like, here's the edits. Right. And then, like, I didn't even want it to be posted by then, but they got you stuck in a contract and you'd already been paid. Mm -hmm. And it's such a mess. And another thing, too, is they took pictures of me, like, for the um, cover, and it's like, you ask a photographer, they can't even give it. Oh, really? They couldn't give you the photos? No. So it's like gatekeeping. Like I get licensing and stuff, but it's like, it's my it's, face and I can't even have photos. Yeah. Oh, that's disappointing. I wonder what went wrong, given they their previous media was quite respectful. I wonder if what, what they were going with with that or what they thought they were going to achieve, because that's really disappointing. Yeah, I don't know. Did you end up seeing the girl again that you had the the date with? Um, funnily enough, I actually saw her at an event, but like, I'm not going to get into too much. But <laughs> we actually had our own chat about how we thought the whole thing was bullshit. Oh, really? Bullshit. <laughs> or at least you bonded over that experience in some way. Yeah, yeah.
I guess for anyone with Tourette's or anyone with with a neurological condition that sometimes they s- struggle with or that, that they have to share with people, what, what's some advice you might give someone in the dating world? I'm still learning this myself with dating or um, being social, but tell them from the beginning. Like, rip, I know it hurts and is annoying, but rip the bandaid off because I get stuck in this vicious cycle where I don't tell people and then they figure, but then then I know they figured, but then I haven't told them. Mm-hmm. And I know you figured, but I have traits. So tell them from the beginning, and if they can't accept you for who you are, get rid of them. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the only closure you need. Yep. And, and, like, people struggle to find friends or they're, like, insecure and whatever, which sucks, but it's, like, just know there are people out there for you and to not give up. Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes you feel lonely, but there will always be someone for you out there and there will always be friends, the right people that get it, if not now, later. Yeah, I love that message and I love that, you know, if they're not accepting you, just don't waste your time. I think that's a really good lesson to learn. <laughs> yeah, and, like, don't be around anyone that makes you feel you need to suppress. Like, surround yourself with beautiful, understanding people who will have your back if anything goes wrong with you. Yeah, wonderful. And what about um, someone who is dating someone with Tourette's or has discovered that the person they're going on a date with has Tourette's? What is some advice you would give them? Yeah, um, be open-minded. Don't feel scared to ask questions. We love it when people ask questions, like when they say, um, how can I support you with your tics or how would you like me to react? That is the best thing rather than you being offensive because you didn't ask. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just ask us mm. and be respectful. Like, treat us like a human. We're just the same. Like, just be kind. Yeah. And it, no offense, it's common sense. But also do your own research because sometimes we're tired of explaining. Mm-hmm. And we love when people are educated and we don't need to explain. That is the biggest satisfaction really good advice when you say do your own research what would you suggest they actually engage with for that research given what we know about daily mail etc <laughs> check your sources sister <laughs> watch tiktok like it's good but don't be like oh my god i i follow this tricks person like it's good but um if it's like i just watch tiktok to educate it's kind of cringe go above and beyond tiktok there are amazing sources on google like from Tourette's organizations or like Tourette's bloggers, check your sources. Don't just go to some chain thing and say you did your research. Read Tourette's creators' content. And that's always a message we are constantly banging on about here is um, engage with content from, or, you know, whether it's media, whether it's film, or whether it's, you know, research books, from lived experience, um, people with lived experience, people who are experiencing what you're engaging with. 100%. And I think that comes with some of the research too because one, a couple of things, a couple of the better articles that also was sort of rebutting some of the more, more negative um, depictions of the TikTok ticks, quote unquote, what, one of the articles in particular was saying, we call on scientists and individuals with lived experience to develop research and approaches that accommodate the society that p- patients live in. And I think that's a problem with research in general is it's often high profile or, you know, just researchers 
who don't have that lived experience who are making these calls and and doing this research. So that's a really good important thing to to touch on is let's talk to people with lived experience. Yeah, like um everyone wants to talk to a neurologist because it's cool or I trust him, but he can only do as many years of studying. I live with this every day. He doesn't know Even how a tick feels. It's like go talk to the family. Go talk like amplify amplify the voices of people with disability because that is the most real. They don't have any gain from it. There's no finances involved. It's just real. It's candid. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It, it, it's like talk to a baker about how to bake bread. Don't ask a other person. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, on that note too, I love the TikTok you created where you were explaining to some kids about your tics and you expressed it as you explained it like like you need to fart. You, you got to you've got to let the fart out to to feel like it needs to it needs to come out when it needs to come out. And that was such a beautiful conversation that you had with those kids. That is so sweet. Like you remembered that. That makes me so happy. <laughs> that was so good. I literally, um, I made it up on the spot. I was like, how can I make this funny and engaging and less scientific? Because I use the sneeze analogy mm. with like everyone, but like fart just was funny. And he's like, oh, I fart all the time. <laughs> so thank you for me. And he's so sweet. Made my day. And I also love that like there was, uh, I think one particular kid who was saying, um, you shouldn't make fun of it or pretend because that's not fair on people who are actually experiencing it. It was like, that's it right there. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you're wrecks and fathers and I still work with kids and they're so re- rewarding. It- like one girl today, she's like, oh, I used to live in Japan and a girl I knew had it. And another girl goes, oh, my dad has it. He always swears at my mum, but he can't control it. Mm-hmm. And then I have a girl like advocating for me. She's like, Oh, by the way, she says, but don't make fun of her. That's like, so sweet. over adults. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's so true. Like, kids just get it. Like, they don't, they'll be curious and they'll be, they'll question. Like, my three-year-old is definitely wants to ask a lot of questions to get something. But once you get it, they're like, okay, I'm all right now. I'm going to, I'm fine with that. I'll move on. And it's something that adults need to practice doing a little bit more, I think. Yeah, because adults, you know, when you meet, they're like sussy and they're like, Oh, I don't know if I'm talking to this person. Kids are like, hi, how are you? Yeah. Like I say this one, kids and dogs even. <laughs> like literally, let me tell you, dogs are so understanding. The first tick they respond, but they have this innate thing about dogs. They get it straight away. After the second tick, they don't get scared. Mm. Like an- animals know, like when I'm petting them. Yeah, they have that sort of sense that you know, that sense of safety. Oh, yeah, that's, that's so good. Well, thank you so much for talking. It was really awesome to get your perspective on what not not just Tourette's in media in general, but on what it's like to be a, a content creator in this space and also to have your content demonized as a, as a contributor to TICS, um, which hopefully we've collectively debunked. I guess what would be your sort of final message for particularly the the depiction of Tourette's in media. Watch stuff straight from creators. Check your sources. Media has a long way to go. Media needs to employ people with disabilities for their acts and stop trying to make money off of disabilities. Mm. And a lot of more consent and ethics need to be put into media. Mm. I think it has. It's going well. Like, it's improving, but it, 
has a long way to go and we will be here for it. <laughs> like we will, we will look back. I have faith. We will look back on this in 10 years and be like, Hey, we were talking about this now, but look at how we've been. Same with the gay rights movement, <laughs> same with anything. It's slow, but we will get there. Like I have hope people are awakening and like spreading. I love that you have hope because I feel like sometimes, particularly when you're in the thick of it as you are, it must be really hard to continue with that hope because it sometimes feels like you're constantly on the the bicycle trying to pedal furiously to, to promote yeah, more ethical journalism, etc. Yeah, 100%. But also, if you're a journalist or know anyone in journalism and you're listening to this, like, I hope this brings up some discussion mm. or like reflection. It's like, be a good journalist, please. <laughs> Do your job well, please. <laughs> like, last words too. If you're going to go into a media job, please know your stuff goes a long way. Mm. Like, you know the ripple effects and don't undermine the power of media. Particularly for very impressionable populations. Uh, it, yeah, has that very long-term effect on how someone perceives something such as Tourette's. Yeah. Literally. Um, just another quick example before we leave is with the shitty dating different thing that I hated, three strangers recognized me from that. Oh, wow. So I think for anyone listening, that should illustrate the extent of media. It was just one YouTube video. Like, yeah, you don't know how far something's going to go. And um, yeah, once it's out there, it's out there. Yeah. And yeah, just be kind. Yeah, definitely be kind. Have compassion, I think is a good one. Yeah. So, um, one, how can people, what's your handles for TikTok? How can they access your content? Uh, do you have Instagram, etc.? Yeah. Um, so my TikTok is meowmons, like meow cat and mons. <laughs> and my um, Instagram, it ticks with mons. Sorry, ticks with mon without an F. Oh, so can I ask, uh, add one last thing to the last thing you wish we were wondering? Yes, absolutely. Um, I want to add don't take stuff at face value mm. so with my treads i only tend to show the happy side like me roller skating but i don't show the ticket tats so yeah just don't take stuff you see at face value someone could be really struggling but not show it i think a good message with that too is just just because someone puts content online doesn't mean they owe you the you know the more distressing side of your life or you know they don't i think people can have this sort of parasocial relationship with particularly um tiktok and any kind of creator online so i guess it's also you can portray whatever you feel comfortable portraying and that doesn't necessarily need to be all the other different sides of of your life and life with any condition yeah like one guy i know has um pinned on his account his diagnosis letter like i would never do that each to their own but it's like so hurtful he needs to feel the need to do that. yeah 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 People think that they have the power to request your personal documents to prove whatever's going on to you. That's really fucked up, to be yeah, honest. Literally. But it sounds like you are a very resilient person in knowing how to manage some of those expectations. I try. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Mon. I've had such an interesting conversation with you. And thank you for yeah, just sharing your story. and. I really hope that sometime in the future we get a good depiction, yeah, a, a, an accurate, helpful depiction of Tourette's in the media, but I think we're yet to find one. 
Yes, we'll see. We're hugging that. Hugging that, guys. This podcast is not designed to be therapeutic, prescriptive, or constitute a formal diagnosis for any listener. For a longer version of this disclaimer, please check the episode notes on your podcast app.